And so we're going to begin by just looking at a couple of things. The first is that when we started out our series called Brave, here's what we said. We said that it is all it all encircles what is found here in Psalm 27.1. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Bible says that if God is for us, who can what? Be against us. And so that's what the psalmist is writing. That's how we can have God confidence in our lives. That's how we can live with courage. That's how we can live by faith in this world. And so the last time when we had our uh, first preview service here at Grace Hall, we talked about courage among kings. And or the last time, excuse me, was at the house. Anyway, it's been a long time. And, uh, and so anyway, we looked at Nehemiah. And we said that with Nehemiah's story for you and I, we can leverage what we got. We have God on our side. We can talk to him at any time. And those are the things that we can leverage in our lives. Not to take for granted, but to use them for God's glory and for our good. And the bottom line is, is that God is with us. He can give us the strength that we need in order to move through this life. All right. So that's really the, the whole idea of this series, Brave. Now, uh, I'm a little bit older than maybe some of you. Maybe I'm the oldest in the room. I don't know. Does it matter? No. But here's what I want to say. If, if you've noticed, like I, I've looked at words, OK, just specific words that have different meanings now. So, for example, when I was growing up, the word bad meant bad. Right. It meant awful. Right. Today, like if I was like, yo, that, that car is bad. It's what? It's good, right? Okay. Or, or like, or like a tool is an instrument, right? A tool is an instrument to, uh, I had to get screws for these, uh, speaker stands. So I needed a tool to screw them in, right? Well, if I told one of my former, like when I was a youth pastor, if I tell a kid, Hey, don't be a tool, like it means don't be a jerk, right? Okay. So, or, or even sick. Like if, if we said the word sick back in the day, it meant you were ill, right? So today, if you're like, yo, that's sick. That's another good, that's awesome, that's incredible. You know, so, so words have changed their meanings at times, haven't they? And so, uh, but what we're going to look at today is just one word. We're going to look at a bunch of words today, but I really want for us to, to, to get our minds and hearts wrapped around the word that I want to share with you here in Joshua chapter 1. Because what God says to us never changes. All right, so if God says one thing one day, he doesn't go, oh, I changed my mind, and that has a different meaning, okay? Now, sometimes we look at situations that give us different perspectives, don't they? But what we're saying here is God don't go, ha, on me, my bad. He never does that. But what he says to us doesn't change. In your notes, there's a, a blank line there, and the, the word I want to give you is the word hazak. It's a Hebrew word, okay? Yeah, I know. We're starting out with a Hebrew word. It should, it's going to be up on the screen, it's H-A-Z-A-Q, Hazak. And as you can see there, it means be strong and courageous. So we're going to, and I wanted to start with the end in mind. Because this story here of Joshua, he is going to be told by God numerous times, just in a few scripture verses that we're going to look at today, this word, Hazak. And I thought it was fascinating. Because this long term has one simple word. And today, God is telling us, Hazak, Hazak, be strong and courageous. That's exciting news today. That's good news. And so what I wanted to do is set up the story here before we get into the word. But Joshua is a guy who 
was under the leadership of Moses. We're going to get to Moses in just a minute. But when Joshua comes on the scene here in Joshua chapter 1, that really he gets the spotlight, God gives him three things to do. The first thing he gives him to do was to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. The promised land was the land of Canaan at the time. The second was he was to defeat the enemies that lived in that country. And the third was to believe that God would do good things for the Israelites. That's three things that he gave him. Like I said, we're going to start with the end in mind. But let's look here together in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at verses 1 to 4 to begin. We're going to be looking completely at verses 1 through 11. But Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 to start. Beginning in verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea and to the west. So God begins this by telling Joshua what is about to go down. He t and, and at this time, the, the leader of Israel, Moses, has died. The nation of Israel has been mourning his death for a month. And now God says to Joshua, it's time that we move on. God has chosen a new leader for Israel. And even though there was the death of Moses... Now, if, if you know a little bit of Moses' story, Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land because he sinned against God. He tapped the rock, okay? So that may be a message one day, don't tap the rock. Who knows? But anyway, what, what ha what's happening here is that it wasn't stopping God's plan. All right, so you with me? God had a plan for his people to go to the land that he has promised him. And we know that what God promised to his people, he just didn't bring it up to Joshua right at this moment because he had promised this land to Moses and all the way back to a gentleman by the name of Abraham. He said, Abraham is going to be the father of many nations. But listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. This is God speaking. It says, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall. And so years and years. Now remember, if you're familiar with the story of the Israelites and after they left Egypt, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years, folks. It's, it's believed that it could have took six days if they just would have journeyed straight. But because of their disobedience, they were going around in circles a lot of times. So Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy comes before the book of Joshua, right? So what I'm trying to get at is that there was time that had passed. Joshua had saw the unfaithfulness of Israel. Joshua had watched Moses being a leader. Joshua saw the heartache and the headache that Moses went through because they were stubborn people. But still, God never gave up on them. Isn't that great? How God doesn't give up on you and I either. But then I thought like, okay, so Moses was in charge. Joshua was an assistant. And, and as I'm reading this text, I don't see anywhere that Joshua had a choice. Does anybody else see that Joshua had a choice? Joshua didn't have a choice. Now, that's important because Joshua, even though he didn't have a choice, he had an opportunity. All right? So you with me? The opportunity was this. God believed in Joshua. 
God was saying, you're going to take the people. You know, if it was me, I'm going, you're talking to me? Like, I, are you sure? You know, and so, and, and, and that's so fascinating because here's the thing. God could not bless, bless the nation of Israel until Joshua led them into the promised land. That had to happen. So it had to take Joshua saying, I will take this. Because God, what, what did God do? God took the nation of Israel, his people out of bondage, out of Egypt, into what? Into the land that he had promised them. Now, they're in between right now, but he had promised them that they would enter. Why? When they entered the land that God promised them, they would know him completely. See, when God takes us out of our sin and out of our shame through the power of Christ and the cross and his resurrection, we're taking out of eternal separation from God into knowing him fully and completely through Jesus. Isn't that great? That's exciting. That is what we, we can believe today. We can have that what? Living hope. And so, so to completely know the goodness of God, Israel needed someone to lead them. And God said, Joshua, you are the man. And so in your, in your outline, the, 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 next, the next thing I want to give you is one word. The word is best. All right? The word is best. Listen to what the writer Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 22. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, this is the gospel, people. The gospel meaning the good news of Jesus Christ. God has invited each and every one of us into the best relationship you could ever have. And that was with him. But he says there's things that have to happen. I can't expect someone, some of you to do the work that I need to do in order to grow my salvation. I don't have to work for it. I have to work what? At it. Don't have to work for it. That's what Christ has done. I have to work at it. I can't expect anyone else to do so. So not only does God invite us into the best relationship we could ever have, but he always invites us to something that is best for our lives. So you with me? That's what he wants best. And really, the question I want to ask this, this afternoon is, do you really want God's best for your life? If you look at your, your life that's going on right now, you may be thinking, this is not God's best. But it's God's best is what? It's his spirit that lives in you, that you grow in love and joy and peace and patience. Everything that we have in Christ. Are you with me? And so that's what we can see. God will never give any of us leftovers. We are never a second. Uh, we are never a second thought. We are never an afterthought. Just know that truth today. He gives us the best because it's from Him. So best. That's what we want to remember. Best. God has the best for us. Not health and wealth. Okay. Let me be very clear with that. But the best that are in Him. So let's continue here. Verse five. Let's look at verse five. It goes on to say that no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hazak. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Hazak. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn away from it to the left or the right. 
or the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditated on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So God, God laid out the assignment for Joshua, right? He gave him instructions, three things he gave him. But what God also did was give him three promises. He gave him that the first promise is that the Israelites will go into the land that he intended them to have. So it's not maybe, it's will, okay? There is something that's going to happen. No one can stop you from taking this land as long as you live. That's what God promised. And the third is that you will win wherever you go. Isn't that solid? That is solid, folks, today, that we can believe that in our own lives. Here's what I want to share with you, though, that ownership of the land depended on God's faithfulness. So ownership was God's occupation. Remember what we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago? Kingdom partnership. God's divine sovereignty, our participation, our responsibility. That gives you kingdom success. God wanted to bless his people. Isn't that beautiful? But they had to move with him. Too often I do that. I don't know about you. I, I feel sorry for myself. Like, why doesn't this happen? Or why didn't? Well, sometimes I just got to step. Sometimes we can get so caught up in talking to the Lord, right? We talked about the last time that we don't move. And sometimes we're moving without even talking to God. And what happens? It messes up every single time. I know it does for me. I don't know about you. But what Joshua had to do is that Joshua had to put his faith in action. Because if Joshua didn't put his faith into action, do you think that the people of Israel would have put theirs into action as well? No. If, if I wasn't putting my faith into action, I don't think that we would be here today. And if I didn't put my faith into action, I don't believe you would put your faith into action to say that I want to be a part of what God's doing. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that's important for us to understand. Joshua could not ask people to do that he wasn't willing to do himself. That goes with our own lives. You know, I remember teaching my daughter how to drive. Yeah, so um, when I would get behind the wheel as I was teaching her, she would point out the very things that I told her not to do or to do. Do you see what I'm saying? So I had to be willing to <laughs> follow the rules of the road in order to teach her because she said, you're going to give me bad habits or good habits, Dad. I'm like, man, I'm going to eat my words one of these days. You know what I mean? But that's exciting because once again, Joshua here and Israel's faithfulness was what? Leaning into the word of God. See, in Joshua's day and time, there was the Mosaic law. The Mosaic Law is the first five books of the Bible is what we call, or they call Torah, which is law. And so they leaned into that. God told Joshua, meditate on it day and night. In other words, the word meditate here literally means to mutter. What do you mean to mutter? Well, if you're spending time in God's word, let's say you're going through your day and something comes up and you're able just to go, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe it's not being on a ninja warrior, but I'm just saying like, are you with me? Or like, if God is for me, who can be against me? I give an answer for the hope that I have. That's what he's talking about. It's literally speaking the word of God into your life. 
That's what he was saying here. Meditate on it. But you got to be in it before you can meditate on it. Because you know what? At the end of the day, we can see here that what's tucked between God's assignment and God's promise is his word. That's what we see here. Another equation. Because if every one of us here in this room today chose to have all the head knowledge and yet never acted on faith and never made our faith practical, we would just have what? Head knowledge. We just know a lot. We would just know a lot. But if we never put it into practice, we never really see the full impact of God's word in our lives. Are you with me? Now, uh, I thought of a, a, an analogy. So I used to be a huge NASCAR fan. That, the, that NASCAR has, if you're familiar, is they have a driver, right, who drives the car. They have a pit crew, right? They have a, they have a, um, they have a, uh, oh, what's he called? Anyway, it's the boss, man. Crew chief. You have the crew chief. But the one that really interested me the most is called the spotter. Now, a spotter is w the guy who works for the team, but he goes all the way up on top of their speedway. And they have a section where all the spotters stand and they watch their car. You know why, why race cars have numbers on the top? So their spotter can see their car. So as the cars are going around, that spotter can go, okay, you need to drop. You need to go to the right. There's an accident. Slow down. Whatever it may be, that spotter is telling that driver where to go, where to be careful, where to avoid accidents. Now, he may get into one, but the point is, is that that spotter is above watching his driver. You see, when you and I are following in God's word and we're following God's way, he's our spotter and he's watching. Joshua, not Jeff, not us, not 1010. God is the hero of the story. Listen to what 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope because Christ was raised from the dead. Now, we hope for the blessings God has for his children. These blessings which cannot be destroyed or be spoiled or lose their beauty are kept in heaven for you. Amen? That's the living hope we were talking about. And, and I thought about the Reverend Billy Graham. The Reverend Billy Graham once said that many people miss heaven. word. In, in other words, God's will for us is to, to make him known as God. Whatever 
it's knowing the who first before we ever do the what. Because you will never act on what you don't know. Does that make sense? And so we need. Let's look together at verse 9. God continues. He says, Have I not commanded you, Hazak, do not be for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua here, as we're coming to, a, to, the, to the end of the conversation, Joshua is literally getting his marching orders. And for a soldier to get marching orders, if they projected any fear, that would show a lack of confidence in their leader. But you don't see anywhere in the text that Joshua was afraid, do you? Because when you look at the life of Moses, when God came to Moses and said, Moses, you're going to let the people of Israel out? He was like, but, but, but I stutter and I'm nervous and I'm afraid. And can't you get my brother to do something? And I'm not the guy. And God was like, oh, you are the guy. Well, who, 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 who do I say that's sending me? And God was like, I am is sending you. Well, well, who's I am? I am is sending you. That's all you need to know, Moses. And you go at 80 years old. He could have been like, I'm old. I could, you know, and, and Joshua was not a young, young guy, but he was young in comparison to Moses. Joshua could have gave the same excuses that Moses did. But we don't see that. What we see is that Joshua took the orders from God to move. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But you and I, we keep our focus on Christ. That's what we do. We keep our focus on Christ. And as Joshua did so, he could effectively lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Because maybe there's people in your life that God is asking you to lead into a relationship with him. And you may feel like you have more excuses than you have the answer, but the answer is Christ, our living hope, right? And so this is what we can know that God will promise you and I. The, the next word for us is protect. The next word is protect. Psalm 31, 19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. And again, it's not only a kingdom partnership with God, but if we're going to have kings of success in this world, we need to know what God requires. We need to observe God working around us, and we need to live obedient day to day. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I turn that off. I just want to be me. I want to do my thing. And yet I see more and more how rewarding it is and the peace that I have when I do God's things God's way and continue to go too. You know, as I shared with some of you, just hearing the news of, of one of the residents at Chalk that I was beginning to disciple there and how his life was quickly ended by poor choices of drug use. And it, and it, and it really rocked me for a little bit. But, but I knew I had peace that I had done all that God had asked me to do. Did I want that to happen? Absolutely not. Or, or even just this, this week, a friend of Tina and I, he, he lost his battle to cancer this week. You know, and you're going, Lord, like, come on. Like, and, and the evil one could come in and see, God's not good. 
if God was good, why is this happening? But we had to put our hope in him. We had to keep our focus on him and understand that he's still working around. He's still doing a work in our lives and around us because who knows what that will do, what the opportunities that you and I can have even when tragedy strikes. Are you with me? And so the question I want to close with is simply like, if you, if God has things under control, what do we do? If God has things under control, what do we do? Well, the last word I want to give you is respond. That's the last word I want to give you today is respond. Verses 10 and 11 in Joshua chapter 1, it says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord is giving you to possess. Joshua meets with God. God tells him, here's what's going down. Joshua didn't set up a committee or have a couple of meetings to figure out what they were going to do. He said, we're going. He told the other leaders, get the people ready to go because we're leaving in three days. Well, how's that going to happen? We're going to cross the Jordan? Yeah, yeah, we're crossing the Jordan. And guess what? It was another act of faith that Joshua had to say, we're going. In three days, we're leaving. Because Joshua was probably thinking, I remember this incident at the Red Sea. And if God could do it then, I know I'll do it again. You see what I'm saying? See, Joshua didn't worry about those kinds of things. He was saying it's time to go because God's leading, not Joshua. And so for you and I, as we, as we uh, get to the post-it, I wanted you to, to, to grab that right now. And I wanted to ask several questions. And then I'm going to ask you to reflect and respond. And then I'm going to ask Mike to come. But the question is, where, first question is, where in your life do you need to live strong and courageous? Where in your life do you need to live strong and courageous? Because some of you may be fighting battles on your own that you don't need to. Maybe God is wanting to get in it with you and you've kept saying, I got this. But where do you need to live Hazak? Where do you need to live Hazak? The second question is, what's one word that you heard today that was from God? What's the one word? Did you hear the word best, that God has the best for you? Did you hear the word reflect? That, that you need to get back into reflecting upon the goodness of God and his word and what he has for you. Maybe the word for you today is protect. Maybe you, you feel like, like I have to take care of me. And yet God's saying all along I've been wanting to take care of you. Let me do that for you. Let me, let me be the one who is your source. Let me be the one that you don't have to be discouraged or dismayed. Why? Because God said in verse 4, what? I will never leave you or abandoned you. I'll be your constant. Maybe your word today is respond. Maybe you've gotten to these places and you're saying, there's areas, there's an area, I know that it's time to live Hazak. And I'm, it's time to respond. I'm not going to try to figure it out in my head and I'm not going to you know, put out formulas and write out schedules and timelines and I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and step in faith with the Lord. And the last question is, when's the last time you did step in faith? When's the last time? And I want you to think about that. What was it like to step out in faith and trust that God's got it? If he's in control, what do we do? We respond.
because God has something for each and every one of us individually and collectively, and <laughs> he's waiting for you and I to come along. He's waiting. And so think about this as we end. Jesus, in Matthew 28, after he had died and he was raised from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples some things. He said, go, therefore, and um, <clears throat> you're going to be witnesses. You're going to baptize. And we're going to see a movement of God happen that has never happened before, uh, as I paraphrase that passage. But here's the thing. He ends with this. I am with you always to the end of this age. I'm always with you. So just like God was with Joshua, Christ in us is with us. And so if there's a word that you need to write down today, maybe it's simply you need to write Hazak. And you take that post-it, and whether you put it on your mirror, you put it in your car, you put it in your Bible, whatever, so every time you see it, you go, I know my situation that I can live Hazak. I can live Hazak because he's always with me to the very end of this age. So let's pray together, and I'm going to have Mike come. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that through stories like this, the hero is who? You. Uh, I'm not the hero. We're not the hero. Even Joshua. Joshua just participated in the work of God. Father, there are things that you have called us to, that you promised us in you, that we can have victory through you, Father. And yet we continue.